Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to resonate in our spirit, God, that we'll put you first in our life, God, and we will grow and walk in love. We worship you and thank you for this time with you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, another amazing Bible study today with Brother Brandon Obajinski. Can we give it up for him? He's been doing a great job. Yes, this has been, I, I, I know because several people from here have been telling me every week that they've been thinking about this and they've been, uh, it's been going through their mind all week long. And me as well, like even other things that I've been studying for and that I've been looking into now that we've been talking so much about love, it's showing me like how much that comes through. And in the end, everything we've been talking about is God. Like God is love. Every single book that I've been reading this week that talks about love, like it stands out so much more vibrant now that we've spent some time dealing with love. Brandon said that when he started, he was like, just preparing for this has changed my family. He's like, the way we talk with each other, the way my kids have been behaving, everything about my life and my family has been changing since we've been implementing love. And we, we heard it, but now, it's been two weeks in, we've all been practicing it, so it's a lot different. It's, it's been awesome. My family has been so blessed. I've realized this. Um, my family has been so blessed since we've gotten into this. Every single time we've been denied for a house that we've had our hearts set on, and I felt like God wanted us to go there. We've been denied, and it wasn't until last week that I realized that every single time that happened, my family got blessed. The first time it happened, I got the $2 raise at work. Next time it happened, I came home and my son had a brand new sandbox outside, brand new bike, all, all these outdoor toys so he could go through and still enjoy outside. And then last Saturday, we're sitting there and we get a knock on the door and a package was dropped off to us. And we got a $400 custom dress for my wife that was same size, tailored, embroidered, just dropped off for my wife. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out who it came from. It says, cannot return to sender. Sent to my name, sent to my address. And I know for sure I didn't buy my wife no $400 dress from New York. That would have that came across my credit card statement or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, bro. But I, I, I did. Come on. Get some of the benefits. <laughs> I did ask the Lord to bless my wife with some nice possessions, some nice things, something that she can really that she can really feel good in. And lo and behold, we got this custom-made tailored dress from New York that came with a little swatch, custom embroidered. And I looked at her, I was like, see if this fits you. She put it on. And somehow this tailor knew all of her dimensions and fits her perfectly. So every single time we've been denied for something that we've had our heart set on. We've been blessed in another area, and God's like, I know you're upset about this, but here's my promise. I'm still right here with you. I'm still right here with you. You just you just got to listen and pay attention. I've got a plan for you. I know things are getting tough. I know you're getting scared. I know the apartment complex is sending out new letters trying to evict people, and that you're probably one of their top priorities right now. But you ain't got to worry about it, because if I can take care of all of this stuff for you, just to make you feel a little bit better, I can take care of 
of the rest of this. So right. let me show you some little things to help you help further your faith in it. Right. And it's it's just it's been so miraculous. Right. And, and Christ tells us it, it wasn't it's not about possessions. He tells us that time and time again in the Bible. Come to me like a child. It's not about possession. So God's not giving that to Brandon because he wants Brandon to look like he's got all. That's not. But it's a small expression of God's love in your life. And I know I'm speaking for him. But like even in my own life, like when God's done this for me, like, yeah, this stuff's cool. But knowing that there's a God of the universe who loves and knows my name, that's what matters. And that's what, like, I, I, that's what I always take out of it in the end is like, man, like, you, you love me. You know who I am. Like, that's amazing. So today we're going to continue to talk about love. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. We've been reading this one a lot, so we finally got to it. So we're going to go through and read the whole verse on it. Right. But... I'm going to jump back to chapter, to verse number 12. We're going to read 21, but before we even got to 21, we've got the golden rule from Christ himself, which says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Law and the prophets means everything that was written before Christ the law and everything that was written coming to happen. Everything in the future was the prophets. They prophesied. So he starts it. So before we even get to the 21 we were about to talk about, he starts it all off. He had to remind everybody, guys, this is the golden rule. Above everything else, how we treat other people is what matters. Then he goes... He go, if we go to verse 21, all this is in Ma Matthew chapter 7. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's something that's that stuck with me through my entire research through all of this is it really it really blew my mind how you I did all of these works in your name. I healed this person in your name. Yes, I, I, I remember that miracle because I'm the one who did it. But who who are you again? I, 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 I don't know you. I don't know you. You were using my name. I should have put copyrights on my name because you were just taking it and then you were taking credit for it too. So yes, you were able to tap in and do this, but you never followed what I asked you to do. You just took the good and didn't allow the bad to come with it so I could show you how I can bring out of the bad. And who are the ones that he knows? How will my disciples be known? If love you love one another. So I mean, he's telling you what they did wrong there when he says, get away from me, I never knew you. He's like, get away from me, I, I never knew, you never loved. You, you may have done some miracles, and yeah, you cast out demons, and you did these great things because my name is powerful. My promises are true. I, because of my stripes, you're healed. So when you tell someone about my stripes, they're healed. But did you do it out of love? 
Or did you do it because of what you could get out of it? Or because how it made you look? Which we're about to about to read off about the prodigal yeah. son, and that's about to go through, and we're about to see how that correlates with the rest of that. And then we're going to read a little bit out of Jonah, too, that goes through the same things. So let's go to Luke 15. I'm glad we're doing the prodigal son first, because I could not find Jonah. <laughs> he is hiding. He's in the belly of the whale again. <laughs> I got it right here. <laughs> All right, verse 11, Luke 15. Yep, that's where it starts off at. All right, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. A younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Is this Dan Tackett when he was 19? About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. So he asked one of his servants, what is going on? Your brother is back, he told him. And your father has killed the fat calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. But the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat to feast with with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and celebrating, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. Man, you've always been with the Father. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and now has come back to life. He was lost and he is now found. So when I was going through reading this, the Holy Spirit really spoke out to me about a few things. One, we got to remember that this is a parable. This is something that God is explaining to other people about his love. 
This isn't just about your earthly father's love for you. This is God explaining to everybody, I am going to use this as an example to explain my love for you guys. So first off, he says, I want my inheritance now. That's just saying, all right, you're already dead to me. I want what's mine. Forget that you're still living because I don't care about you anymore. I just want what you can give me. If I were to go up to the people that I have inheritance with and be like, hey, guys, I want that house right now. You got to go. You got to go. That would not go very well. That would not go very well at all. I would be cut and the house would be sold and everything else would probably be given away. And so from there, he goes on and he's continuing to sin. They are of Jewish descent. So when he's sitting there feeding the pigs, they're not allowed to eat pigs because it is considered an unclean, unhealthy for their body. They don't touch it. They don't look at it. They don't eat it. They can't do anything. But what he is feeding the pigs now looks extremely good because he can't get anything else. And let's not forget that he had to beg that farmer to get that job. It says, I had to persuade him to bring me on as a hired hand. So that wasn't, here's my application. All right, you're hired. No questions asked. Well, man, I really can't use you. You're a mess. Like you've been, all your money's gone. You've been sleeping with all these prostitutes. You've been drunk. I'm pretty sure you're still drunk right now while you're trying to get this job. So, well, come on, man. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. What's, what's something that you absolutely don't want to do? Well, you can go feed the pigs, but don't expect any sympathy from any of us about it because this is the bed and you're going to lie in it. So it made him think, all right, how am I going to come back to my father? He took out his father's grace for him. He already made this decision that he had to go through and he had to do it this certain way because I don't think my father is going to accept it. So let me present myself to something that's going to benefit him because I have wronged him so much that I don't think my father is going to accept me. I don't think that my father is going to love me anymore. So let me bring me on as a hired servant. Just let me rest inside of this house again. I don't care what you call me. I don't care who I am in your eyes anymore. I just want to be close to you again because I realize the life that I'm living, another day here, I'm going to be dead because nobody will help me. Nobody will show me love while I'm out here. And I have brought this upon myself. So... I'm going to go through and beg for your mercy and not just your mercy. You don't have to even accept me. You just have to tolerate me now. And the dad didn't even want to hear it. He cut, like, him, he cut him off before it was come even on, done. Get in here. He started speaking and he was like, no, no, we're, we're right. not having any of this. You are home. I have been waiting for you at the end of the road, watching you every single day. I've left my porch light on for when you do return that you can see the path to come back to me. I have been waiting for you. You don't understand. I don't want this apology because there is no apology that is needed. You are my son and my love for you has never failed. My love for you has never withered. Even though you did all of these wrongful things and yes, you did these things against God too. So you're going to have to make amends for that. So you really messed up, but I don't care about that. Go get him a rope. And the rope represents that he still has an inheritance, that he is a part of the family, not just part of the family, that he is a treasured part of the family. So he's not just accepting him. He says, come back to me. You are still the same as you were. I don't care about what happened before. You are still high in my eyes because you have returned back to me on your own will. I did not have to force you to do this. You returned on your own will. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, go get him a ring as well. And the ring represents that he has 
he has power inside of this family, that he is still a noble, that he is still considered very well inside of this family. And he doesn't even stop there. He continues to show love by sacrificing the fan cow. That fan cow would have been saved for somebody uh, visiting dignitary, uh, somebody that was high up in the church, somebody that expected something above what he actually had. So that was kept in reserve for a very, very, very special occasion. But how is this special occasion? Because I'm, I'm coming back to you saying that I'm a slave. I don't care about that. You are not. This is what you are. You have this robe. You are a part of this family. And we are going to celebrate the fact that you came back. And especially like me and Brandon having kids, like that cha- this whole story changed after I have sons. Like when it, I was the prodigal son. I'm the dummy always out with the pigs. That was me. But, and I know God was good, and God always welcomed me back. And, and, and I, I was having trouble forgiving myself. But then now that I have sons, and we've got kids, like when your son runs across when someone's teaching Bible study. That doesn't happen. <laughs> As a father, you don't care. You still love that kid. That's your kid. You're willing to accept them back. But there's another person in this story as well. There's another person, the brother, who's offended. He's mad that his brother came back. He won't even step foot in to partake of it. He has to communicate through a third party because he is this enraged about somebody coming back to the family. You wouldn't even give me a goat, father. What, I have done this, I have done this, but son, you haven't done this out of love. You have done this so out of obligation. And this, me and Trav were talking about this yesterday in a different light. We're talking about other things. We're talking about people, you know, being judging and stuff like that. And, and this scripture speaks to that because this whole time, we, he's looking at it like, oh man, yeah, my brother. He, people say that, like, oh, so they just get to sin their whole life and then come to know God at the end and then that, that works out good for them. And that's how sometimes we feel as Christians when we see people doing things that are not smart and we're like, oh, well, they're getting away. His brother was with the pigs. His brother wasn't out having a good time. Like, we view the world and sin like it's something we get to do. It's not, it's something we're stuck doing. Sin is, is, is something we get stuck in. It's not, an, it's not as enjoyable as the devil paints it out to be in your head. He, yeah, he shows you the bait, he doesn't show you the hook. Oh yeah, drinking every weekend's great. Until you're throwing up, your teeth are rotted out, and no one cares about you. Then all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, drinking wasn't that cool. But we're not going to talk about the hook. We'll just talk about the bait. And we don't realize that his, you're in the pig pen. He's in the pig pen. You're with your father. He's sitting with his father. Yeah, you may not get to eat a fat calf once a year. But you're eating good every day. You've got the robe on every day. You've got a ring on your finger every day. So how do we take that? We don't see what our brothers are going through as actually a trial. I see these musicians on TV and we're like, oh, look, their life's great. They've got everything together for that one video, for that one video. But then we don't see them at home in the turmoil in their family and everything falling apart and nothing working out for them. And how many of them dying before they're 30? We don't see all that. We don't see them in the pig pen. 
We see him walking out with dad's inheritance. That's what we see. We're like, there he goes, taking all half of my dad's money that I was supposed to get. What about God? God, there he's got your blessings. Look at this. God knows he's on his way to the pig pen. He's on his way to the pig pen. Pretty soon, he's going to be so hungry and so miserable, he's going to come begging me back. And as a good God, I'm going to be standing there ready to accept him. And so there's the two different sides to that story. There's the side of what we should be looking for in God's love, how we should, how we should be applying it. And then we also have the side of what not to do. We should rejoice when somebody comes back to the right. We should be doing this. And the father had to, had to explain it to him. He had to explain it to him. Listen, all of, the, all of what is mine is yours, but let's take this one calf to celebrate your brother coming back. I didn't back. read the end of it. Let's take this one calf. I, everything else is yours. I leave everything else to you. But I am going to take this one calf so we can celebrate it. Because just as God left right. the 99 sheep to go find the one that was lost, just the same as he would rather us bring one sinner back to Christ than minister to a hundred saints, it's the same thing. And his dad hit him with the truth. His dad said, your brother was dead. Now he's alive. He didn't let him believe no nonsense. He wasn't like, yeah, your brother's out having fun and partying. That lasted a minute. Then he was with the pigs. So let's look at another story that talks about that. Let's go to the book of Jonah. Now, if you've been to Sunday school at all in your life, you've probably heard the story of Jonah and the whale. God sends him to the city Nineveh, which is a terrible, corrupt, crazy city. Tells him to go there and preach. Did you have a question? Oh, oh, I didn't get there yet. But we're gonna start. We're gonna start in Jonah one. Jonah's only got four chapters. We're gonna start in the middle, and then we're gonna read the end of it a little bit. I'm gonna tell you a little bit of the story. But so Jonah, God sends him. Go preach. Jonah does not listen. He runs the other way. Gets on a boat, sailing away. I'm not listening, God. I don't want to pay attention. Of course, God sends a storm. Everything's going crazy. Everybody on the boat's freaking out. They're like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Jonah finally speaks up and goes, by the way, yeah, I'm not listening to God. Why did you do this, they say? <laughs> Why would you do this? Lord, Lord, don't kill us for his sins. Don't kill us for his sins. They say, God of Jonah, please do not kill us for his sins. We do not deserve this. Show mercy on us. We will sacrifice Jonah to you, but please don't do this. They said, and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord, for you have sent the storm upon him and your own good for your own good reasons. They're like, whatever you got going on with him, we get it. <laughs> you can have him. And so just as the prodigal son rehearsed his speech to come back to his father without thinking of his grace in mind already, Jonah's like, all right, just throw me overboard. This is my fault. I'm going to own up to it. Just throw me and cast me into the sea. And so that's what he does. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Wow. So by Jonah not obeying and Jonah getting thrown in the water, all them sailors got saved. Again, 
Because Jonah's not listening. Now the Lord had, had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. We all remember that part, but this next part was new light to me. I don't remember learning about this next part in Sunday school. It's something that Dan said to me, and I was like, I got to go through and reread the story again. Like, did that really happen? Right. Because I didn't remember it. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord out of the fish's belly from inside the fish, which if you go back and you study that, it's actually from Sheol is the word that they use there, which was the grave. He was three days and three nights in the belly. Christ said, I'm going to be like Jonah. Jonah died. Jonah was dead at this point. Jonah cries out to the Lord and says, I cried out to the Lord my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. That's where the show. I knew it was there. I was getting there. And the Lord, you have heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depths. I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters covered over me. Seaweed wrapped around itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. This is why we should, should have thought of that a couple minutes ago. Why didn't he feel that way before he got to the belly? If he would have remembered God's grace, he wouldn't have had to go suffocate and be buried into the sea, brought back to life to wake up inside of a fish and travel three days inside a fish. He could have done it by boat. It would have been a lot more comfortable, a lot easier, and saved him a lot of trouble if he would have just remembered God's grace and stood there and told him, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. I tried running. Please forgive me. I understand what I have done wrong. I am here to listen to you now. I am here to follow. Instead of taking it upon himself and giving himself his own judgment. Instead, he gave himself his own judgment and had to go through all this. When If he would have just remembered in the first place, I serve a God whose grace is never ending and his love is never failing. Right. So the Lord ordered the fish to spit him out on the sea or on the land. So Jonah gets spit out. He's back. He's like, okay, God, I'm finally going to do what you want. And he goes to Nineveh. And he preaches in Nineveh. And he tells them, in three days, God's going to destroy this place because of your wicked actions. Which, wait a minute. I, I might have just lied. Did you say three? How many, four, how many days? 44. 44 days. Good. I was going to say. Three days. That was how long he was in the whale. Which, so God gave them more time. In which if we think about that, we can apply God, God's love to that why he's inside of the fish. If you're inside of a fish's stomach for three days and three nights, that's a lot of acid that your body's taken on. So why his body was dead 
and he's inside of this, his body should have been decomposing by the size of this fish. At the very least, when he got spat out, he should have mm. been able to walk on his feet because he should have been skin. He should skin yeah, should have been good. gone. Muscles should have been gone. Blood vessels should have been gone. He should have been bone at this point. But instead, God preserved his body so he could go through and continue what he set him out to do. Resurrected him. So there is more than just what the scripture says inside of there. When you think about God's love and apply it to every aspect of this. All believers are called to be, especially New Testament, New Covenant believers. Our number one thing is we are called to be witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. That's what our job is to this world. The number one thing he told them is go out and tell the world of my resurrection. So here we see a great example of the resurrection power of Christ. This Jonah, he's dead. Just like he said, everything. He shouldn't have been the same. And nothing should have been the same. But God's resurrection power brought him from the belly of the whale back to dry land, back doing the will of God. Now he's a prophet again. Now he's standing in Nineveh prophesying to him. 40 days, you guys are done. He's telling him. But Nineveh takes it seriously. And that's the thing our lives should do to people around us. It's not my words. You look at his words. His words were in 40 days you're going to be destroyed. You guys have done too much. But his life was a resurrection example. His life showed them there's a God who can take you from death to life. So Nineveh, they see this great witness before them. They decide to believe. They put their faith in the fact that God can resurrect. So they change their ways and they stop. Nineveh's like, all right, we're done. We're going to turn things around. And they do. And God has mercy on them. Then we come back to Jonah. Back to chapter 4. This change in plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Now there's your first problem right there. I don't know. <laughs> don't complain to the Lord. It never works out good. Look at Job. Job said so much and thought he was, thought he was on a good roll. And think about it. His whole family was killed. Everything. So if anybody's got a right to complain to the Lord, it was Job. But when God showed up, Job was like, I cover my mouth. I said too much. Why did I speak, Lord? You're right. I'm wrong. And again, God showed up. He didn't show up to Jonah like, oh, come, come here. Come here, Job. Oh, poor baby. That's not how he showed up. He showed up and looked at Job and was like, where are you? When I created the world. Do you know where I store the snow? Do you know where the wind comes from? Who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong? Like I created the whole world. If, if God wanted to leave Jonah in the belly of the whale, who are we to argue with him? Didn't he create Jonah? Didn't he have the right to destroy him? It was all in God's will. But thank God he's not a God of death. He's the God of resurrection. So don't, didn't I say before I left home? So this is what he's complaining to God about. <laughs> I, la I laugh so much at this because I'm like, dude, you are such a hypocrite. I know. He's like, a, you're, you're, you're really doing this? He just brought you back from life and you're sitting here complaining. He's going to have a hard time in heaven. Don't listen to me walk around heaven. So I, I, I just picture Jonah. a teenager fighting with his dad. 
Well, this is why I did it. I told you this was going to happen. That's why I did it. So why am I even here anymore? Come on. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? <laughs> Didn't I say before I left you were going to do this? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. He said that like it was a negative thing. You are a merciful, compassionate God. I'm going to try that. I'm going to say that to my wife next time I get mad. You are a compassionate wife. Show you. <laughs> Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I'm sick of this, God. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Some good God you are. Won't even destroy these sinners. Just kill me now, Lord. <laughs> I'd rather be dead than alive if I if if what I now he gets to the core of it. If what I predicted doesn't happen. It's okay for God to go back on his word, but you're making me look silly now. Wow. Right. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? He's like, are you really, really thinking like this? Which we all know that's a rhetorical question. He's like, are you really this yeah. stupid right now? They want you to think about really this. Are you really arguing about this right, right now to me? Because you just went off a different direction. They told you to pray to your God to try to make this right. And, I'm, and you said, no, I don't want to do that. Because if I do that, maybe he'll know where I'm at at this point. And I'm still trying to run. So I don't want to do this. So just I'm just going to die now. But you brought me back to life. So we're, we're just going to keep going through this. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter, and sat under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So he's still planning destruction for the city. He's like, come on, maybe God will wisen up quit being all about this love crap. <laughs> Get to the judgment. We do. How, our churches have been doing that. How many of our churches are sick of the grace period and they want God's judgment now? They don't want us to love the sinner. They want us to judge the sinner. They're sick and tired of this God who keeps making everybody's life better. Who does he think he is? What, what about when I told that person that they were stupid and they were going to go to hell? Now you're going to make me look bad. I told them they were a sinner, God. And now you're telling them they're saved. Man, I don't want to be like Then Jonah. this next part really showed something to me too. He built a shelter already. He's already got a shelter. Insufficient. But God provides something else for him to take rest from. And so he goes over and he stands on up underneath this tree. And but the Lord God had a shelter. Right. So his shelter God, must not have been God that good. Provides was better than what he could provide, and yes. he understood that. He saw that inside of this plant that we're about and to And the Lord about. God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its branches and leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, and it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head 
until he grew faint and wished to die. Again, he is. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Ah, yes, Jonah reported, even angry enough to die. <laughs> He's got a problem with his mouth, man. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there, and it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? That really showed a lot of God's love to me because I love my animals. I really do. I love my dog. My dog has done so much for me. But God's saying, there's all these people, but not just the people, these animals. Do these animals deserve to die because of that as well? So he's not just taking an account of just living humans. He's taking an account of all living things. Why am I going to kill all of these things off? Do they not deserve more than what something that ha that is not living anymore? Something that came up in an instant and died in an instant? These people have been here for years. These animals have been here for years and they came back and repented and made right with me. So should we not show them love as well? Because you want to show this plant love so much that you're willing to die again because I took away this plant. But you still want to see these people wiped off of the face of the earth. What is wrong with that? Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Like, I preached a sermon in the youth group a long time ago. It was about never forget your whale. Like, we, we always look at other people's sins. We always look at everything else around us, but we don't remember the whale we just came from. Like I was just in that belly. I was right there. How can I act like somebody else isn't good enough for God's grace when he just gave it to me? Jonah got it several times. And this little spoiled brat still doesn't get it. He doesn't even understand. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And again, all this correlates into what we were just reading about. That's why Christ was so big on do unto others what you would have them do unto you. That's why that's the golden rule. Because I don't want to be the prodigal son's brother. I don't want to be Jonah. I want to be the person. I want to be the, the prodigal father. Who's, who's standing there going, come on in. Let me give you a robe. Let me get you a ring. Let me put some sandals on your feet. Let me, let me kill this calf real quick. Let's party. I want to be a part of the celebration. His brother was outside the celebration. Everybody else in the father's house was celebrating. They're all eating meat, drinking, having a great time, not worried about anything. Yet there's the brother out there on the side of the hill, pouting, missing out on everything. Just like me when I was a kid. We used to go out to eat. I didn't want to go to the right place. I'm not eating. My mom would be like, you're not eating. I go home hungry like a dummy. I was mad about something silly. Like Jonah. <laughs> so now we have a better understanding of what God's love is. And we understand that we should love others now. So now we're about to get into some scriptures that really show some definite ways on how to love one another because we want to follow in Christ's footsteps. We want to take on his attitude and we want to be like him. And simplest way I've learned how to be like him is by showing love to everybody. 
through my everyday experience now, I think of, I think of things in different ways. When something happens and I don't react the way I should, I think I should have. I sit down and I think I'm like, man, what would God have done in that situation? You know, oh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? But I take it to where. How would have Jesus really interacted with that? How would he have shown love to that? How was his attitude at this point? And so now we're about to see a little bit more about that. All right. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 23 through 25. Yeah, through 23. That's fine. It's good. Especially after what we just read. And like I said last time, please go through and read all of these scriptures for yourself. Because there is so much that we had to consolidate everything yeah. down. We always got to break it down in pieces. We got to break it down. So please go We're already through. making you guys stay here an hour. We pushed it any longer than this. So starting here, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we just read in Matthew 7 that if you don't incorporate love, he's not going to recognize you. We just read... It is draw the end is drawing near, so let me show you some ways how to incorporate love to your brothers. Don't encourage them to go off and drink. Encourage them to come in and spend time with your family at a bonfire. Encourage them to do better things, not worse things. And most importantly, get together. Like I said last week, using the description of <coughs> chainmail, one piece can't stop an arrow, but three pieces can stop an arrow. So if we don't get together, we can't make that connection with each other. We can't, we can't know each other to show love in areas that we need. We can't help strengthen each other in areas where we're weak if we don't get together and be a part of each other's lives. And we know our father is throwing a party. Our father's in there partying and celebrating. We should be in there celebrating with him. We should be a part of the party. This is our brothers have come back to life. It's our brother who's returned. So we should be part of this celebration. We've got a party together as a family. Now we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And you can go ahead and read 3 and um, should go, go to 3 first? Yeah, go to 3. All right, we'll go to, we'll go to Ephesians 3 first. Stacked right on top of right. the Right. We'll go to Ephesians 3 and we're going to read 14 through 17. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles unto one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. Wow. That, 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 that stood on so many different levels there. One, we got to remember Jews back in the time were considered God's people. Gentiles were considered sinners. He's saying that you guys are one and the same now. 
You guys are one wow. in the same. So this is why we should be getting together with each other. Because we shouldn't be just getting together with the people that are inside of the church. No, we should be getting together with the people that we're trying to bring to the church. We shouldn't be just with the people that already know God. Because we know we're supposed to be out there being a witness and bringing people closer. So, so now that... <laughs> So now that we know that we are the same, that we are the same people, that there is no longer this divide between saints and sinners, that we are the same. The only difference between the saints and the sinners is I know I'm safe. I know when I go to the gates, I can stand with confidence. I got a pre-reason. Somebody who's sinning doesn't know that, but I can instill that faith into them now. I can go and encourage them not to drink all the time. I can encourage them, hey man, you know, I was an alcoholic for three years. I lost my son. Trust me, I know what falling into the bottle is like. I know what it's like. Let me help you out. I'm not going to sit here and judge you because we're sitting here talking about God and you're drinking a beer. I'm not going to judge you about that. If that beer makes you feel a little bit more comfortable right now, go ahead, drink that beer, and we'll tackle that issue once you get to know God a little bit better. So I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to surround myself with people that need me because one I don't think I'm better than them I am instilling something that hey I think you're better than me so let, let's help each other out here you you got this going on let me help you out with that let me strengthen you where you're weak and I can help encourage you where you're strong right right yeah. I was thinking of that country song drinking beer talking <laughs> God amen <laughs> But he's so man. That is fire, guys. Like I gotta, I gotta pre-read some of these scriptures. That one I missed, and that hit. That hits hard. He broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. Candy said it the right. She was like, I wasn't raised that way in church. No, the church built the wall of hostility back in between the church and the world, and expected sinners to crawl over it if they wanted to get in. Wow, man. And so now that we're coming upon that realization, wow. it's time for us to fix those because we don't live by our father's mistakes. We don't live by our father's sins. We're going to forgive them for that and understand that they have grace and mercy and that God's wow. blood covers everything. But now I'm going to do my part because now I'm standing firm on what I know and what I understand. And I'm going to go back out and repair all of this damage that was done. I'm going to go out and tell a man, I know you were I know you were told this. I know you were told that, but let me tell you what. That is not what we believe anymore. We do not we're not going to judge you because you have tattoos. You come to our church, everybody that's going to greet you has tattoos. Anybody that's going to come up and show you the most love is not wearing a suit. Is not wearing this. They look funny. They look like they just walked off of the streets. But they're showing you the most love. Right. And the people that are holding themselves so righteous, so holy, oh, are sitting in the back watching this. Like, man, why is this guy doing this? Does he really think he's going to get something out of it? But the ones that understand that they came from the world, that they were the prodigal son, that I was a sinner, I was an alcoholic. At that time, I was not a children of God. God never left me because he loves me. And his grace is abundant and his love never fails. And I realized that, and I came back to God. And I realized that if God can do this for me, why can't I do this for other people to make it an easier transition for everybody else? Because I'm tired of seeing people struggle when they come back into the church. I'm tired of seeing people leaving the church with their head down because they felt like they were judged. 
because they didn't have enough money to go out and buy a suit and look the part. I would rather you act the part than look the part. Right. Man, that's powerful, guys. That's God's calling for this church. That's the church I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of the old crap where we judge everybody and treat people like garbage and there's no love. I want to be a part of this kingdom where there is no wall of hostility separating us. We can live free in love. Paul talked about them, with them peeking in on the churches going, man, those guys are so free. Yeah, that's how we're supposed to be. And we're, we, we got away from that. But God's raising up a new church. He's coming soon. He's not going to let us wallow in this. He's going to raise up people who, like me and Brandon that are dumb enough to stand up here and tell you you can make it. Because that's what it's all about. Why, if, if, if Jonah knew this was God, why didn't he go to Nineveh and tell them they could be saved? Why didn't he say that? No, because he was brought up in religion and all we do is tell everybody they're going to hell. Which it's funny. The more research I've done, I've realized, you know, I always knew Pharisees were a little out there. They never really got it. But the more I really started reading it, the Pharisees were never right in God's eye. They knew all of this knowledge. They knew all of these laws. But they held themselves above everybody else because they knew this and they knew the Old Testament laws. But they did not show love to anybody except to themselves. So how did God break down this wall of hostility? It says he did this by ending the system of laws and its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. We are no longer we are no longer saints and sinners. Now we are all God's children. Right. We are all God's children now. And he did away with the law. So that way there wasn't people walking around going, well, you know, I've only broken two commands, but you've broken 15. Hey, man, do you got your roll-up of your sins ready for this year? Because we're going to go store them away from another year. I hope you I hope you have everything down because we're going right. to roll them up and go put them over here. Dude, you better not go walk wow. into there. If you walk into there, they're going to have to put a rope and drag you out because you ain't holy enough to do it. Right. All of that is gone now. All of that go is gone now. Because if God, God can say you're forgiven that quickly, why do we think we have the right to hold on to it? He decided to do away with the old system. I'm done with that, guys. You know what? From now on, when you look up and you say, God, I'm sorry, and I look down and I know that's coming from your heart, it's done. I'm not talking about it no more. It's washed away. And we are his body. We should be acting the same way as the body of Christ. I can't say, oh, well, God forgave your sins, but I remember what you did last week. I'm his body. The body can't remember what the head doesn't remember. I should not be able to remember that. So he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near to him. The whole thing was the good news of peace. We're all in this together. Don't get mad at the workers who show up at the end and get paid the same. We're all in this together, guys. 
That's good. So we're going to jump forward to Ephesians chapter 4 now and read just in the beginning of it. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So he just showed us right there another example of how to love one another. Be humble to each other. Don't, take, don't think that you're better than anybody else. Always talk to people as if they are better than you. Be gentle. When I'm going and talking to somebody about something that they're struggling with, instead of telling them, dude, I don't know why we're sitting here talking about this again. We've sat in the same position 12 times and you still don't get it. What is wrong with you? Be gentle with them. Dude, what's going on? You're really struggling with this. How, how can we help you out with this? I understand this is going on, man, but that's no reason just to give right back into what you were doing. Be gentle. Be encouraging with them. And when they can't keep doing it, when they're struggling and keep following, be patient with them. Because we're human flesh. We're going to keep sinning. No matter how good our relationship with Christ is, we are going to keep sinning. But we have God's grace and understanding over it. When I'm tempted with something, one day I can, I, can, I can overcome it and I feel good about it. But it pops up a couple days later and I'm in a different spot and I cave into temptation. Does that mean that I've lost the battle? No, it means that I'm still fighting this battle. But I know because I'm linked together in spirit with my brothers, I know I, know I have a fallback. I know I have somebody that's not going to let me fall deeper into it. They're going to be like, all right, man, it's time to get back up on your feet. Yeah, I understand this happened to you. I understand that you felt, but there's no reason to keep dwelling on that. That was in the past. That was, that was yesterday. What is yesterday going to do today except make you feel more miserable about it? We lift each other up. Exactly. exactly. We lift each other up. So when and we're we've feeling got bad about it. That's something we've got to work hard on and continue to do. Like, we can't forget about that. Like, we need it. I've needed it in times. We've needed it. Like My, my buddy Trav, he just had a baby. <laughs> I've called him all week and lifted him up. Trav... Yes, I know, I know you haven't been able to make the Bible study. I know you've got this going on in your life. You guess what? You're okay. God's got you. You're going to be just fine. I'm praying and fasting for you. Your brothers are here. We're waiting for you. Don't worry about it. As soon as your baby, your wife's good, we're, you're going to be back. Everything's going to be fine. But we need that in our lives. I need that at times, you know? And we, for one, we don't ask for it. We don't call out and talk to our brothers about it. Probably because we don't feel close enough to them like we should be. And, and then we don't actually ask them if they need it either when they need it. Hey, how are you doing? You okay? I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to be here for you. If my brother doesn't come, Mike went up north one week <laughs> and visited my brother. And he was like, man, I miss church this Sunday. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, I was up north. And I'm like, well, of course you missed. You're in Trevor City. Like, this summer, we got to do stuff, guys. 
But you know what? That's important. Because if Mike misses four weeks, I better love him enough to call him and say, Mike, where are you at, bro? What are you doing? Come come back. Come come to church on Sunday. I want to see you. I want to be around you. Sometimes this is the only time I get to be around some people. We're busy. Brandon texted me like twice in the last week, and I didn't even get back to him. And I do feel bad about that. Is this thing even on? Is this thing working? But we get busy. That's my point. Like, it wasn't that I don't love these guys. I love them. But I'm busy. I got this going on. I got that going on. I'm running here. I'm running there. I'm doing this. But we are all going to be at church on Sunday. So if I miss your phone call on Friday, I'm going to see you in the parking lot on Sunday. I'll touch base with you. How you doing? Hey, bro, I missed your call. Sorry. How, how's things going? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how a family acts. So before we get into Philippians, I'm going to throw you guys another little tad bit to try to get you guys to go through and read these chapters by yourself. In Ephesians, it talks about how God's love, how God's going to make a home inside of our heart. And then it goes through and talks about how that is going to make us stronger in resisting temptation and everything. So give that a look. We, yeah. never, we, had, we didn't get into it because we got a lot going on. Ephesians but there, 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 there's more tad bits in there that are really, really going to take all of these what we've talked about, these three parts of the Bible study of love, there is right. so much more to it. Please get inside people, of it and do the research for right. yourself. People you get discouraged about reading the Bible. It's a big book. Well, there, it's, there's a lot of little books in it, too. There's some books that are one page long. And let me tell you, <laughs> you can read the little, and, that, and, they're, and they're not lacking. Like, we've been reading, we've been, we've been, three weeks we've been doing this Bible study, and we've been pulling out of 1 John every single week. I'm going to finish it this week. We're going to pull out of 1 John 5. John's only got five chapters. I pulled out of a chapter every single week this week all about love. 1 John is all about love. But it's, it's five little bitty chapters. Like, you can read through that really quickly, but it packs so much of a punch that we've taught five Bible studies on it. Three. We've had, we've had Three. to condense it down. Still, yeah, on, on I top, had to. On, on top of that, it's showing God love. It's hiding his word in your heart. It's going to make you stronger. I called my mom one day and told her that I bought a new study Bible, and she went to me. Are you really reading? You absolutely hate to read. I have dyslexia for all of you that don't know. Resurrection power. <laughs> reading is extremely hard for me. But it's something that I ask God, how can I learn to love you more? All right, let me take something that I absolutely hate doing and let me do it for you. I'm self-sacrificing my mental capacity, my, my stress. I, I get more anxious when I'm having trouble, when everything starts going backwards. I can't make out letters because I've been reading too long and it's only been five minutes. Self-sacrifice. I'm showing more love. And in return, he is increasing my vocabulary again. He is making my mind stronger. Right. And I'm able to start reading his word more. And it's being put inside of my heart. Because right. I decided I wanted to show God love and just by reading his word. And that, that is so true. I, I hated reading too. I was never good at reading. I read so much now. It's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm actually good at reading now. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Resurrection power. <laughs> All right, so we're going to read Philippians chapter 2. We're going to hurry up. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, they turn off the ACs on a lock so it goes off at a certain time. But God's about to give us a church, and we'll keep that AC rolling the whole time. We ain't even worried about it. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? 
any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So not only are we making God truly happy, we're also learning again how to love one another. And it's just emphasizing the other two, That's other so three, four too. scriptures that we read. Make me truly happy. This is Christ talking. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Christ is calling us. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look at only, wait, don't look out only for your own interests, but take on the interest in other, or take an interest in others too. See, there I was bragging about my reading. God had to humble me a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God to be something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. Then he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names. And that... At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! That's a good one. We're going to confess it, guys, one way or another. He's a good God, and he has brought us together in unity in one body so that we can love and Help each other get to the promised land. That's where we're going. We're all on a mission to the promised land. But we've got to support each other. We've got to help each other. So I'm going to finish this real quick. Because I know it's getting close here. But I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 5 real quick. 1 John chapter 5 starting in verse 7. And this, or no. 1 John chapter 5 starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I had a guy at work tell me, man, you make, you make living for Jesus just seem like it's easy. And I was like... He said it was. He said my burden is light. Who, who, the church made it heavy. Christ didn't make it heavy. And just like he's saying here again, my burden, my commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win the battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus has revealed as God's Son by His baptism by water and the shedding of His blood on the cross. Not only by the blood, 
or the water, but also by the blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with this testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all these three agree. He ends that by talking about our faith. We're, we're going to take a quick interlude this next week. I'm going to teach something the Holy Ghost put on my heart. Please, guys, don't miss next week. If you've got a vacation plan, cancel it. <laughs> but I'm, but I, I'm joking. But I'm, I'm so serious, guys. God, <laughs> God gave me a word, and he, I've been preparing it. I, he, I, he took some of the stress off because I let Brandon take care of all this for the last couple weeks. So it gave me time to reflect on what he wanted me to teach, and he gave me a word for next week that I am so excited about. I talked to the pastor about it at, at um, breakfast yesterday, and he was like. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. So we're going to get into that. And then I can't wait. We're going to have Nan get up here, and we're going to jump into faith with both feet. So I, I can't wait for this. God's really doing amazing things. So let's end in prayer real quick. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds, God. Allow us to reflect your love to this world, God. We see that you are the most important thing, and you are love, God. So let us make love the most important thing in our life, that we will show people love, and that we won't be fake, God, but we'll be true disciples of you, that when we stand before you one day, you'll say, come here, I know who you are because of your love. We worship you, God. We thank you so much for everything you've done. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.